Amen. Y'all may not know this, uh, but uh, Maya is new to our band. We're excited to have her leading in worship, and this is actually Chuck's daughter. So um, he, he he lingered on stage just so that y'all would know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, but they get an opportunity to worship the Lord together to lead in worship. Uh, such a neat opportunity. Uh, I know it's special for your family, special for us as your church family. Man, we are glad to have you. Welcome in to uh, Lindsay Lane North for our nine our ten thirty service. Excuse me. Um, don't be worried. I know some of you are like, man, they are late getting out. All right. Uh, we will do better this service. Uh, we promise if you're joining us online, we are thankful uh, for you as well. There is something I'd like to point out to you. Jeremiah uh, Wesson is one of our pastoral staff. Uh, he is not in here today. He is serving in preschool and children. So he is, he is there. We do that to bring attention to that every single, uh, every single quarter. One of your pastoral staff, myself, Joseph, Will, uh, or Jeremiah, we, we serve in that preschool department to bring attention to that uh, because we want you serving there as well. And so we want to lead the way in that. And I just want to bring that uh, to your attention as well. And so uh, we're thankful for him and his ministry there and certainly thankful for Samantha and Lynn and all that they do uh, to lead our children. Welcome in. We are excited to be in our Give to Go uh, offering. It's our missions offering for 2023. We do it in October so that we can have money in the bank. So when we start making the purchases and sending the partnership, uh, money's over. We, we want to go ahead and have that ready to go. So that's why we do it in October. Um, but we, uh, so it's from October to October, but this is how we fund the missions offering. The give to go missions offering is how we fund all the missions partnerships that we have as a church. Uh, your tithe and your offerings, they go, uh, to support what we do as a church in our community, what we do, uh, in this area and paying your staff and keeping the lights on and all of that kind of good stuff stuff. Um, but this is what we do over and above our tithe uh, to give to the missions partnerships that we are a part of today. And so this is actually going to be part one of a three-part series. We just left our testimony series. This is my story. And we are moving into um, this stewardship mini-series for three weeks that we are excited to be into. And we're going to kick that off with our missions offering. And so we hope that you have prayerfully considered what God would have you to, uh, to give today. To give you some clarification when we're talking give to go, this supports all of the people, all of the people's names, uh, right, that come up in Southern Baptist world. Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, Myers Mallory. You may know them. You may know their story. And you may have no idea who they are. But that is what we do in Southern Baptist world is we attach people's names to the, the missions offering. So the Annie Armstrong is North American Mission Board, all of the church planning uh, and partnerships that we have across this nation is the North American Mission Board, uh, the Lottie Moon East, uh, the Alati Moon offering, Christmas offering, is the International Mission Board. And so we don't take up an Easter offering and a fall offering and a uh, Christmas offering. We do it all through one and we fund it through one give to go offering. All right. And so in that, I pray that you would prayerfully consider as we go through uh, today, prayerfully consider what God would have you to lead. And we'll give you a little bit more instruction on that in the future. But in addition to those 
kind of corporate sponsorships that we have through our partnership with the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, we also have partnerships individually as a church. And so we are adopting an Acts 1-8 model. We want to uh, equip and we want to be partners with Jerusalem missionary partners, Judea missionary partnerships, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And while we are still waiting on an international missions partner, I'm literally having a Zoom call with someone tomorrow to discuss that very thing. So we could have one by the beginning of 2023, uh, and we are looking forward uh, to that. So um, I want to give you, but this is our, so the first video that you're going to see, you're going to see the three partnerships that we have personally as a church. Uh, and the first one is our Neighborhood Bridges uh, missions partnership that's through our local school. Uh, we get to see needs, felt needs, uh, and we get to meet those needs. So y'all check this out. Welcome to Neighborhood Bridges, a platform connecting those in the community who want to give with those in need. First, a school counselor, teacher, or administrator posts needs on neighborhoodbridges.org. That request goes to residents and businesses in the community via social media and email. They click on the link to help and the opportunity for kindness is met, filled, and delivered from community to the advocate. Join our Gateway for Kindness and sign up today. So if you want more information on that and how to partner with them, you can go online, uh, go to that website, find Elkmont, and you can be a part of that email list that sends out the needs uh, periodically as the needs arise. If you give uh, and you bring your donations to the church, which we're a drop-off center for that, um, then with your gift goes uh, a gospel uh, track gospel presentation as well as an invite to our church. So it's more than just those gifts, but the gospel enters those homes uh, as well. And so we hope that you take full advantage uh, of that. Philippians chapter four, you can turn there. Uh, as, we, as we show you our missionary partnerships and where, what your funds are going to support, uh, as you're prayerfully considering, well, I want you to understand through this series uh, that God has more in store for you in the area of giving than you just being willing to help out, right? Being willing to give. Giving, as you begin to study scripture, giving is far less about what you are giving to, and it's far more about who is doing the giving in the heart that we give with. When I was a kid, I heard that it is better to give than to receive. I'm going to tell you, as an eight-year-old boy, I don't know that I bought that. Because there was nothing more thrilling in all the world, Miss Brenda, than to walk downstairs and see all that Santa Claus had brought me. That was big time for me. I was immature. I was young. And my world consisted of me, myself, and I. And anybody that could help me, myself, and I meet those needs, well, then good on you, right? And as I began to get older, relationships in my life got deeper. And I found someone that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And we had children that I cared about more than anything else in this world about. And I never understood it was better to give than to receive than, I watched, than when I watched my kids for the first time. You had to get through the, the first few years because they're just along for the ride, like you're, at, you're getting excited for them. Um, but man, those first years when they can come down and they see those gifts, you realize very quickly it is more blessed to give than to receive. What I've learned about that is as we grow in our evolution, as we grow in giving, 
we recognize that the act of giving for us is a gift in and of itself. And so today we're going to look at the gift of giving. In Philippians chapter 4, we see the conditions of giving. Number one, the conditions of giving. Now, what are external uh, circumstances that would cause us as people to want to give? In the world, as the world would see it, opportunities to give, what are things that would crop that would pop up in our day-to-day life. Anybody want to give a suggestion? What is it? Birthdays. They hit birthdays first last service too. Birthdays. Good. What else? What is it? Christmas. Okay, cool. Pastor appreciation. (laughs) That's awkward. Uh, One of our pastors have brought attention to pastor appreciation. Awkward. All right. Moving on. What else? Sun appreciation. Now, all right, now we got subtle hints. Not so subtle hints. Mother's Day, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. This is devolved into something I did not want it to be. Uh, as I see it, there are some circumstances that, that would give us opportunity to give. Uh, one of the things that I think of in this world is a, when we see a need that stirs emotion. We see a need that stirs emotions. I immediately think of those little dog commercials. Cue Sarah McLaughlin music, and then her voice overlays the music, and son, it just grabs you. It gets you in the feels, don't it? See those poor little neglected puppies and in the arms of the angels. And you are just moved. All of a sudden, you are emptying pockets, throwing it at the TV, right? If I can change the circumstance for that little dog, right? If I can just help that little puppy, it's a need that stirs emotions, and we immediately respond in kind. We're going to study today a, a church that gave an extravagant gift we're going to find that those circumstances didn't quite meet the bill that we see there. In fact, Philippians chapter 4, we'll read this, verse 11. Paul says of the church, the recipient of the gift. So Paul says, I am not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Time out. The man who has just received a gift said, hey, y'all, I didn't really need your gift. (laughs) I'm not in a position of need. I'm not asking you to send another one. I've got everything I need. Rule number one, if you're trying to get money out of folks, don't say, I don't need money. That's pretty basic economics. Paul says, I'm not in need. Yet the people... The church of Philippi gave anyway. Generosity understands that God is faithful to provide. What happens when our emotions are stirred and we see a need and it gets all up on us? We start saying things like, I need to help. I need to fix. I need to provide for this. And if we're not careful in doing that, we bypass a God who is perfectly capable of providing and we put ourselves in the role of provider. 
we miss the fact that God is the one who would provide. What did Paul say? Listen, whether you send the gift or not, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I'm happy with whatever happens, so know that your gift is not given to allow me to function. Your gift is given for something higher than that. We must be careful how we make ourself the answer to people's problems. Church, you and I are not the answer to people's problems, but we know where to go to find the answer. We simply point them to the answer. It doesn't mean that our money doesn't get involved in that. It doesn't mean that we don't do that. But what we need to understand is ultimately it is God who provides for us. As we give, we give with the understanding that ultimately God will provide fully for his work. I want you to understand. I want you to let you, I'm going to let you off the hook. First point, I want to let you off the hook. Regardless of if you give or not, I am not wringing my hands. I do bite my nails, but that's for other reasons, bad habits. I am not wringing my hands hoping that God gives us enough money so that we can meet all the needs that we have in our mission strategy. Whether you give or not, because I believe that God is faithful to provide. I believe that. I'm convinced of that as your pastor. What we are giving you the opportunity to do is to understand this opportunity to give as a gift to partner with what God is doing and what God desires to do in the heart and the lives of people, of the ministries that these partnerships touch, right? And so as we give, we give the understanding that ultimately it's God who will provide fully for his work. Number two, a situation that we could think of is a surplus of funds, right? If I've got money left over, sure, I'll give you some, right? If I've got it left over and it's in the bank account, then sure, I'll, I'll give you a little bit, right? Like this is, the, this is how businesses function. Like, yeah, we've got some profit here. We need to get some tax write-off. Like, yeah, sure, have some money. The church of Philippi was completely different. They Listen to 2 Corinthians 8. You can turn there. We've got two references there. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 uh, through 2. Listen to how he describes, he's using Philippi as an example to the Corinthians. And he's saying, consider the churches of Macedonia as an example for how to give. Listen to the circumstance that the church of Philippi finds himself in. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. What we know about the church of Philippi is they were probably going through some of the most intense persecution that the church had known to date in their time. They were being extraordinarily persecuted. They were being hunted down. Uh, the story in Acts is told of them going to the, a man named Jason and going to their house and asking for the people that were turning their world upside down. There was rioting going on in the streets. People were boycotting Christians. There was no way to make money and they were completely afflicted. The outside external circumstances dictated they don't give money to nobody because they ain't got two pennies to rub together. 
but their severe test of affliction, their extreme poverty, overflowed in wealth. Now, that's a math equation only God can do. Affliction and extreme poverty equaling an abundance of wealth. This is the situation, the circumstance that he describes. There was not a surplus of fun. Listen, generosity doesn't indicate financial standing. It indicates spiritual standing. If you're waiting on having more money to give, I truly believe that the enemy will make sure that that day never comes. There's never a good time to give from the world standpoint. Why? Because I need more for me. I need to supply my needs instead of trusting God to meet need. And so there's not a surplus. Listen, generosity isn't a tax bracket. It's not external. It's a matter of the heart. I know poor, I know very, very rich people who are very, very generous. But if the widow's might tells us anything, there are very, very poor people that are also very, very generous. So it's not in the amount, it's in the attitude of our heart. Surplus of funds. Out of compulsion, right? Another, uh, somebody manipulating and turning your arm and making you feel bad enough to finally get you to the point of giving. Well, listen to the situation the Philippians found themselves in. 1 Corinthians 8, verse uh, Uh, First one, right? We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Uh, Or excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, uh, verse three through five. For they gave, hang on, I just lost my spot. There you go. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Get this, get this, get this. So what does the pastor get accused of all the time when he talks about money? He gets accused of what? Begging for money, right? Please, sir, if you can have some more, right? Like that's what we get accused of. Listen to what happens in the church of Philippi. This church who is going through crazy affliction, going through extreme poverty, listen what they do. They beg earnestly, verse four, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Man, if anybody needed relief, the church of Philippi needed relief. But they recognized that their circumstances didn't dictate the terms of their generosity. And instead of Paul begging and pleading for money, they were begging and pleading, please, Paul, Please tell us where we can give. Please let us give to ease the suffering of the Jerusalem church. This is generosity. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. What this teaches us is generosity takes the initiative. Generosity isn't waiting for all the opportunities and all the T's to be crossed and all the I's to be dotted. Generosity finds a way. Generosity seeks out God's activity and they get involved in it. Number four, think of external circumstance, an opportunity for self-promotion, right? An opportunity to get our name out there, an opportunity for people to know that we're a benefactor, to know that we are a philanthropist, that we give often and, and, and we, everybody knows it and everybody thinks we're great because of it. Philippians 2 verse 3 tells us so, do nothing. This is Paul's letter to the Philippians. Do nothing from selfish ambition 
or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And then he gives the example of the ultimate bankruptcy. He says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who though being of the eternal riches of God, being in the form of God, being with God in glory, being the chosen one of heaven, being in all of the privilege and all of the esteem of heaven, it says that he emptied himself. He became bankrupt of the privilege of heaven, not ceasing to be God, but he gave it up and he came in the form of a servant. And he was found obedient in the form of a servant even to the death of the cross. So it's not about self-promotion. If anything, giving is about self-denial. It is about dying to ourself so that God can accomplish his purposes through us. Every one of these the world's reasons for giving are dictated by external factors. Things that we may or may not have control of, but where we find ourselves currently. This is the situation that we're in. This is the financial situation that we're in. And this is why our giving is dictated this way. Listen, though, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, what we see in the church of Philippi, though their circumstance dictate the opposite of the environment forgiving, what is going on in the inside has far more sway than what is experienced on the outside. Everything Paul references has nothing to do with what is happening on the outside of the church. It has everything to do with what is happening in their hearts. He says first, to have joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice always. That means when it's good, when it's bad, right? To rejoice, to be a person of joy. By the way, you don't always have to be happy, but as a believer, you should always have joy because joy lasts when there's, the circumstances dictate that there should be sadness. There's joy because there's hope beyond this life. He says to have grace toward the lost. He says there to let your reasonableness be known to everyone for the Lord is at hand. What is he saying there? What is reasonable about that? Be reasonable in your minds, understanding that the Lord is at hand, meaning that there is eternity that hangs in the balance. So why would, is it reasonable to hold on to what we cannot keep when God has called us to take hold of something we can't lose? This is the wager that would lead Nick Saint 
and Jim Elliott to their death, laying down their lives, which they couldn't hold on to anyway, in order to see the gospel come to the Aborigine people of Ecuador, the natives of Ecuador, right? It's reasonable to leverage something that we can't keep, our possessions that are temporary and fleeting and passing, in order to invest in things that are eternal because the Lord is at hand. We need to live realizing and recognizing that every person that we come in contact with is one breath from judgment. And when we do that, it, our bank account, our, our, the way we spend money looks differently. When we live with the urgency of the reality that people are dying and splitting hell wide open, it's not reasonable anymore to hold on to all the things that we can have to be comfortable. What is reasonable is to wager it all, is to push all the chips in the middle of the table to see people one to Christ. Grace toward the lost. He talks of prayer but in everything by prayer and supplication. Can I tell you this? The reason why we tell you weeks leading up to this give-to-go offering, it is not so that you can get your bank account in order. That is not why we do it. We don't do it so you can start moving money around. We don't do it so you can start figuring out what you need to cut, how many uh, Starbucks coffees you have to trim out of your life. We don't do it for that. It ain't to get your bank account right. It's to get your heart right. And what have we learned about prayer? Prayer is the sinking mechanism of our heart to God's. It is not our way to get God to do what we want him to do. It's our way to see what God is doing and to join him there. It's how we get on the same page with God. Plug for our men's group tonight. We'll be talking about that very thing, right? To pray. How much prayer have you given to what it is that God would lead you to give in this give-to-go offering, right? Aligning. He says thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, letting your request be made known to God, right? From the perspective, as Will talked about, the perspective of thanksgiving, we make our requests known. We're not asking God to do all this this stuff we recognize in full view of what Christ has done, then we submit to him things that we would desire, right? What we want to see God do in light of that. But with thanksgiving, understanding that we have already been given more than we will ever be able to repay. So guess what, y'all? We can't outgive God. He is if he has passed you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, if he has changed your eternal destiny, there ain't no amount of money that you can ever give that's going to outgive him that he's going to go, wow, look at that ledger sheet. You ain't going to impress him. It ain't about the gift. It's about our hearts. It's not external. It's internal. And then he says peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you have peace? Because that's also not going to come with a certain amount in your bank account. Lord, heavens knows. See, every day, people in, that have reached success by world standards living in misery. 
Oh, we have peace that surpasses all of that. Are we faithful? Are we faithful with what God has for us? I'm so thankful for this next ministry partner who is faithful in what God is doing in Tuscaloosa. Church family, my name is Britton Latham. I'm the pastor here of Church at the Oaks in Tuscaloosa, and we're so thankful for your support of our church plant as we seek to make the gospel known here in Tuscaloosa. It's been an incredible semester. And I just wanna share a couple of quick updates with you. One, our tribes, our, our community groups, and our huddles, our discipleship groups continue to multiply. We've got 44 discipleship groups that are happening with over 140 people involved in those. Over 200 people involved in community groups. Just like God is moving in significant ways. There's a few weeks ago where I don't think a week went by for an entire month where somebody was coming to faith in Christ for the very first time. We've got to celebrate baptisms almost every week. Got two more coming up this week. And it's just, it's been an incredibly fruitful season. So I just wanted you to know as, as people who believe in us and are praying for us, that the, the gospel is being made known, that Christ is being exalted and, and things are happening. Like it's, it's actually working. So thank you so much for investing in a church plant that is outside of your home church. Um, we need you. We're thankful for you. We're praying for you as well that uh, as you guys seek to, do the Great Commission right there where you are, um, that, uh, that the Spirit will empower that and make that known. So thank you for believing in us. Thank you for being on the team. And uh, we love you guys. Thanks so much. Y'all, he just gave metrics that have surpassed our church. Well, then, well, they need to be giving money to us, right? If they're having this many people saved, they've got all these partnerships with other churches, right? Then maybe they should be giving to us. God is moving. We get the privilege of being a part. It is not about our compulsion to give. It is a gift to be a part of it. I am thankful for it. Salvation every week. We go, yeah, and we have two this Sunday. You know, um, and by the way, that's dated. That's super dated, right? There, we are getting updates. Man, God is moving in powerful ways, and we get to be a part of that. That's the fellowship. And secondly, the community of giving. Philippians 4. Let's skip down to verse 14. Paul has just said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me talking about not the, his wonderful athleticism that has gained him popularity, not his ability to do these superhuman tasks, the miracles that have accomplished great things. He's talking about living in poverty. He's talking about living in really desperate circumstances by the world's standpoint. Listen to what he says. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. It was kind of you. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Was, is he saying something bad about the other churches? No. Paul had a way to provide for his ministry. He was a tent maker, right? But Philippian church desired something deeper and they wanted to invest. 
Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. He said, well, look, when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me two separate gifts. He is thanking them. The book of Philippians is written because one of the reasons is he is thanking them for a gift that he has received while he's been in prison. This is a prison epistle. He's writing in prison. He's thanking them for a gift. So at least three times, probably way more than that, that the church of Philippi has not been told to give, but has just felt led by God to give. And he said, through this, I have seen God's kindness. The word that he uses there, it's kind of you to share in my trouble, is the word koinonia. It is the deepest form of community. The book of Philippians is the warmest of all of Paul's letters. He's writing it. it looks, when you read it, he's just, you can tell he is writing it to people he loves. And the love wasn't because they stroked a big check, but it was because they were invested heart, soul, and mind. And by the way, their wallets did follow. But they were invested in what Paul was doing. They had a vested interest. They wanted to see God move in other places. And they committed. In their joy, they experienced partnership together. That word to share there is not adequate in the English language. In the Greek language, it means to share together, to have community with one another. They were of the same hearts, the same mind of one accord. One of the things that I love about the missionary partnerships that we have is these people are our friends. And I know these people. I know their kids' names. We've hung out at their houses. If you've been on a mission trip with us, we've hung out at these places at their homes. They've invited us in. There's a community there. I want you to see our final missionary partnership that we just recently visited. Went to Vegas and hung out with Joseph Givens at Favor City. Hey, what's up, Lindsey Lane North? It's Pastor Joseph at Favor City Church. And man, your mission team that's been out here serving with us has blessed us incredibly. They've been able to bless this school where we meet. They've painted some walls for us, painted a gate. They've been able to replace our trailer floor uh, and man, have made it, our systems just iron out so smoothly. They're serving here with us on Sunday mornings. And even the ladies, man, they put together these awesome personal touch gift bags for 190 teachers and, and workers here at this school, plus 50 of our serve team members. And so, man, to say that you guys have blessed us is an understatement. Thank you so much for your investment and planting a church here in Las Vegas. We love you, North. I can't wait to see you again sometime. And we just pray that for all that God is doing in and through your work there in Elkmont. Thank you so much. Y'all, there's not two more different cultures in all the world than the culture of Elkmont, Alabama and Las Vegas, Nevada. Can I just be real there? It's funny how similar some of our problems are because sin is sin. But we different. But man, we're connected. We're connected and we're a part of what God is doing. And I care for them. I care. A win for them is a win for me because it's a win for the kingdom. There is such a fellowship that is created in generosity. But let's look thirdly at the completion of giving. The completion of it. 
Not that I seek a gift in verse 17, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. What we see in this passage of Scripture is the completion of giving. We see giving meeting every need in its fullest capacity. First thing we see it in his blessings of the investment. He says there, I seek the, I don't seek the gift. You may be thinking, yeah, all that joy and peace and all that talk is great because you, the big boy that got that, that experienced the blessing of getting that check, getting that money right. Well, he knew that they might be thinking that the skeptical people of Philippi may have been thinking that. So he said, I don't seek the gift. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. These are financial words. They paint a very, very vivid picture. I don't care about the gift. I care about the fruit that it produces to your credit. I've got an apple in my hand. Apparently, we need fresher produce at our home because it's a little wilted. Cut it in half today. This is a apple, right? We know it grows from the apple tree. But inside the apple is something very, very powerful. It's a seed. Came from within that apple, and you're not even going to be able to see it hardly. This apple seed. Boy, this is seemingly insignificant. When you talk about the size, very, the size differential between the size of an apple, the fruit of an apple and a seed, man, this seed is pretty insignificant. <laughs> this gives us a beautiful picture of what our giving and what God using our giving can do. He says, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Robert Schuller said this, anyone can count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of, of apples in the seed. When you plant this apple seed, you do not get an apple. What do you get? An apple tree. Producing hundreds, thousands of apples. Something this insignificant. For us to have the perspective that when the pastor stands before us asking for money, is to have the perspective of valuing this seed, the significance of the size of this seed over the apple tree. I'm not so much concerned about the gift or the amount that you give in as much as I am concerned that you plant a seed that God can do remarkable things with. There is nothing significant about this small little seed. But only God knows how many apples can be produced by this one seed. 
This is the beauty of giving. This is the gift, the fruit that increases to our credit because we are willing to give a seed because we are willing to make an investment. Whatever it is that God would lead you to give. Born out of a heart of generosity, it is a seed planted in the ground that we get to see God grow, God mature, and we get to see people reached because of our obedience to give. So what Paul said, what you're giving is a small seed, but what God can do with your gift is gonna blow your mind. It's gonna blow your mind. I I don't care about the seed. Give it or don't. God only needs one. To produce fruit hundreds and thousands of times over. We get the blessing of the investment. We get to be a part of it. This is why I was so excited about Favor City being on the ground floor, man, before they even he had never he hadn't even gone over to Vegas. Right? He came and preached before he left and went to Vegas. Right? We're on the ground floor of what God was doing in Favor City. It's just a small seed. Which, by the way, whether we gave or not, they would still be going. But we get to be a part of it. God has allowed us the gift of being a part of what he's doing. And so through that, what does he say? He says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. What you gave, church, met my need. So they have resources to accomplish the evangelistic task that Paul was set out to do. We give so that they can accomplish the task that God has placed them to do in Tuscaloosa, in in, uh, Las Vegas, wherever we're going to be at internationally, and in this community, in our Jerusalem, so they can accomplish the task. But also, he says, my God will supply all of your needs. What's great about it is if we trust God to be provider, we're going to give freely because we know that we can't outgive God, and he's going to make sure that all of our needs are met on the back end. So Paul says, hey, I got all I need, but guess what? I know what's cool about it is you're going to see God meet and exceed all of your expectations as well. All of your needs will be met. And that results in a beautiful thing. And that is the glory of God. He mentions there, right? All the saints glorifying God. Having trusted God to provide, he has met that provision and the church celebrates. All of the saints, all of the brothers greet you, right? To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Those that are within the church glorify God, but then he adds something on the end and don't miss it. This is significant. What does he say right there at the end? I mean, this is, this is on a whole nother segment. This is like the, the bye-bye portion of his letter. He tags on, all the saints greet you. Oh, yeah. And those, especially those in Caesar's household. Who's Caesar? The grand poobah. The leader of the entire stinking empire. And there's, there's, some, we, we don't, there's some interpretive decisions that you have to make there. Maybe he's not, maybe he's not in Rome and maybe he's not actually talking to people that have, that are in the family of Caesar or servants 
in Caesar's actual household. Maybe, he, maybe they are. Maybe he is in Rome, and maybe he is saying, look, God has given me a, a doorway to minister indirectly to Caesar, to the guy that is making all of the calls here through Caesar's household, through these connections. But at very least, he may be in Ephesus in prison and a Caesar-appointed leader of the household, the power structure of Caesar, the decision maker for the entire region, I have even got a foothold in the household of Caesar. And what the Philippians gave, even, even though it was extravagant, even though it was in their poverty, it was a seed. But what Paul was giving them is insight into what God was doing, creating an apple tree from their small seed. And so what is it that God is leading? How is God leading us to respond? I am not coming hand in hand telling you that we can't do this without you. I believe that God's gonna provide. If he chooses to use our church, great. He's gonna provide supernaturally. I just believe that. But he gives us the opportunity to be a part of it. And man, that's cool. So what is it that God would lead you to invest? Y'all, some of y'all, the easiest thing you could do is throw money at this. That's the truth. I don't have insight into that mentality. But for some of you, the pastor's asking for money here. Maybe God's called you to invest something bigger, something more important. Maybe God's called you to go. God's opened the door for us to go. So we don't know what God's going to do, how God is going to use you and your gift. All that we know is he's asked us to be obedient. So with every head bow and eye closed, listen, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want you to know you're the most important person in this room, legitimately. I know this whole message has been about giving. I get that. Maybe the most practical step for you if you're not a child of God in here, maybe what you need to give is your heart. As you've heard me dictate, right? Our giving doesn't come from our external circumstances. It comes from an overflow of what God is doing in our heart. And maybe God needs to do something in your heart. Maybe he needs to make you new and you clean. It doesn't mean that you do better. It means that you allow God to make you new, to clean you from the inside out. And so if you're here and you need a relationship with Jesus, when I say amen here in just a moment, man, you make a beeline to me here at the front of this sanctuary. You share with me that and we will get you with somebody that can talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the seed that you need to give. But whatever it is, I pray that you would give. God loves a cheerful giver. Would we give freely? Maybe that looks like for you as we respond in just a moment through our giving to this give-to-go offering. Maybe that looks like you and your family getting together either at your seats or at the altar and praying about what it is that the Lord would lead for you to give. But whatever it is, we just pray that you would respond to Jesus today. Whatever decision you need to make, don't leave without doing business with Him. Father, have your will and way in this time of invitation. May you receive glory in us. Glory in your church. 
now and forevermore. Thank you for what you've called us to be a part of. Allowing us. You don't need us, but you desire to use us. Let us see giving as the gift that it is. Pray for those that need to give their heart to you. Pray for those that need to give their life to you. Pray for those, God, that need to give in other ways. Lord, may you respond in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? However you need to respond, this time is for you.